Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every day, we rise. Challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. All right. Good morning, everybody. Uh, welcome to Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Joel Khan, and Dennis Dick. I am here. I am in the office. My, my camera uh-huh. is not cooperating with me this morning. Uh-huh. I promise that I... It, that, that's the truth. I I don't look battered or bruised or anything like that. I look normal. I'm just my camera is not working. It looked like he got hit by a brick wall. Does it really? <laughs> yeah. Oh. It does. No. I, I I didn't get hit by anything. Um. I just you know it, it was it was a it was a long weekend. But I'm back. Um. I'm glad to be back. I missed you guys. Uh, what did I did I miss anything interesting? I'm what sorry. well, um, what's that movie where they got what's it Bachelor Party or something? Yeah, yeah the, the Hangover. Yeah, The Hangover. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Hey, Mitch, can you put one of those guys over like with his teeth missing? Can you put yeah, that? Up no, I, none of that. Nothing like that. I I, I swear, <laughs> nothing like that. Um, <laughs> all right, we missed you. Uh, this is a quick rundown. Uh, your chart, few- please. Oh, share your yeah. charts. Okay, I'm already yeah. in, already in the doghouse. <laughs> so, uh, S and P futures only one key level coming in and play this morning. We're down six and a quarter at forty five seventy one fifty. Uh, we have crude, nice rally in crude, up seventy cents at one hundred three ninety eight. What do you got over here? You got a you got a trio of highs kind of sticking out to me. Uh, you have silver that's in the green by twenty one cents at twenty four eighty. Skip gold down three twenty in nineteen thirty eighty. Bitcoin up eight oh five at forty six eight ninety. And Ethereum futures, uh, they're up thirty five dollars at thirty five forty one. Uh, Triple D, uh, did you fall asleep on your keyboard last night? Very much so. That was, like we keep saying, that was a slow night, slow night, slow night. That was a very, very slow night. There was nothing happening. VIX is now under 20. FOMO's back in town. I mean, we're right back to playing the same song we played for, feel like, a year and a half or two years. We had a little bit of excitement there for a little while, but volatility coming down, FOMO going up. So what does that mean? Does that mean that to just, you know, we're just going to continue to grind higher here that all the worries, the war, inflation, recession, the housing market, everything? Just well, it's of... lack of headlines, really. I mean, right yeah. now we're numb, you know, and I've said this is shitty that, you know, the market has become to this, but we're kind of numb to the headlines coming out of Ukraine. We know that they've done horrible things over there, and the market's become numb to it. It's sickening that the market is numb to it, but it is. So, I mean, unless it escalates where we start seeing, obviously, using chemical weapons or nuclear, the market has accepted, you know, what is happening over there, which is awful. 
So, I mean, and then you come and the market is kind of accepting of interest rates going up. You know, obviously they've priced in, you know, we can see, you know, the, the, the rates have been priced into a certain extent here. So they've priced a lot in. So they're accepting of that. And they think inflation. So they think this Fed is going to navigate a soft landing. There are a separation, though, happening every single day. And I mean, I had to have a dozen people reaching out. I missed the bottom. I missed the bottom yesterday. Not joking. Like a dozen people reaching out to me. You know, just do it. Should I buy? Should I buy? What should I do? What should I buy? The FOMO is just something rampant out there right now. And let's give a perspective here. I mean, it's not like everything is participating here. There's a lot of stocks not participating. It is value versus growth. And every single day, it is Warren versus Kathy. And Kathy stock's been getting a bid for a couple of weeks. Lo and behold, Berkshire, which could not go down, starting to sell off because they see Berkshire as safety trade. We don't want safety right now. We want aggressive, you know, buying and, and beating down Momo names. So, I mean, that's what we're in right now. Like Citigroup, down every day. Value investing right now, not doing well in the last few weeks. Was doing very well for a while, but they're leaving those stocks out. So there's a separation happening here. It's not like everything is rallying with the SPY. We know SPY is just linked to Apple, Amazon, Google, which is... Yeah, the big five. So they were doing their own thing too. So they kind of do their own thing. And then you have this value versus growth trade that continues to happen here. How this ends, you know, obviously people think, you know, the market's going to go up in the long term. So I think if I'm buying on these dips, eventually I'm going to make money. Probably true, but you got to pick the right stocks as well. Because not all stocks continue to go up forever. We know that as well. So the way I've been approaching it, and I've been saying I'm approaching it, I'm un- very uncertain in this environment. So I have raised cash. Did I put some of that cash to work yet last week when I said? Yes. I brought myself up to 1.54% cash. I'm sitting around 40 right now. I put some more to work last week. That was a good thing because some of these beaten down Momo names I was buying have started moving higher. But at the same time, would I like to be 100%? Would you love to be 100% invested on the up days and, and, and 100% short on the down days? Of course you would. But it's really hard to call that. So just find where you're comfortable. I can't tell you what to do. People are reaching out, should I buy? That depends on your own situation. If you're sitting with 100% cash, you probably should have been buying a while ago. 100% cash is a really lot of cash. That's betting on basically all of this really getting ugly. I was never that much cash. I got up to 50, and that is betting on it getting uglier as well. So have I been wrong? Absolutely. I've said that the last three weeks. I admitted it two weeks ago now. That you got to be buying some pullbacks here because these stocks are just showing you too much bloody. Is there something in Canada you know. where you could park that cash that you can get anything on it? Or is well, there... can, yeah, well, who, one, one and a half. <laughs> it's it's about the market. It's about moving in and moving out. And no, 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 I, I move asking. money in when I see low risk. I move money out when I see risk. That is what I do. I am a risk manager. That is what I do. Um, did I miss the bottom? Absolutely. But again. What I was saying four or five days ago on the show, Spencer, you know we were saying this. We had consolidation. We were talking mm-hmm. about ARKK. Five days in the same spot. I'm like, if you want to take a shot, you can start actually buying these things now because you've had the move and now you've actually had some consolidation higher or, or consolidation and then the potential to move higher. And obviously we did. Yesterday we did that again, but we've really been chopping around. Have you missed the boat? I mean, let's give a perspective for people who are just like, oh my gosh, I missed the bottom. ARKK was $159. It's 70 today. Yeah, you didn't miss that. You know, you're, you're 90 points off the high. So if you think, you know, that if, if you're upset that you missed the first 15% of the move, maybe there's going to be more of a move. Nobody knows how this is going to happen. But 
I can tell you, you know, people love it when I say, oh, yeah, sell, and you were right, $110, 120 or 130 on ARC. And now they're calling me an idiot. It's at 70 We were bearish this body thing on 130 So, okay, so if you don't like it, buy your 70 back and scalp your 60 points. So that's how you could do it if you're really nervous about it. Yeah, I'm you can... a little bit of stuff, yeah. a little bit of Momo, but I'm still playing balanced portfolio. I yeah. have no answers for you. Nobody has a crystal ball in this market. It's very difficult to predict what the next headline is going to be. So just look at your own, look at your own portfolio, look at your own situation, look at your age, and figure out you know what you want to do for yourself. This is a great topic for our guest, Dennis, because he's the CIO at Coal America Bank, right? He has to deal with asset allocations for, yep. for the big boys and everything. And it'll be good to get his perspective on this. So, I mean, it, I mean, you've been you know, very forthright, you know, in what you're doing and looking at, you know, ARC right now, we can all see what it needs to do over the next couple of days. Uh, for the rally can, to uh, continue, and then similarly, we can all see on the downside. You know where you know if it bre- breaks a level, you know it's going to have some more downside. I will say though, it's working on a monthly green candle, and we haven't been able to. It see looks healthy. That. Yeah, I mean okay. on a monthly. Yeah, maybe if you get another couple days of consolidation here, it just seems like it's so fragile. You know. Like it, it will have, you know, have these days, days, days. And actually you get a lot of green candles there, but it's just, it's not the arc of old. It's not going to rip like it did in 20 and up to that high in 21. It's a whole different market dynamic within the, with it. Now you have people that are just doing, uh, first of all, you got people that are stuck, right? If this gets back to 80, I'm getting out. Oh yeah. Okay. And then you have people smarter, longer term, bigger investors that wrote, you know, maybe were never in, you know, started buying at 60 and, you know, bigger funds that are, you know, are just looking for just, uh, you know, a, you know, a reversal, you know, some kind of, uh, you know, you know, uh, move back. What's the word I'm trying to think of, uh, you know, to the mean, you know, Mean reversion trade. And they, so they're buying at 60, 59, 58, 57, whatever. And they're selling at 72. They, they don't care about it going back to 75. They don't care about it going back to 80. So it's a whole different market dynamic and just going to have to accept it. It's not the arc of old trading down 24 cents right now at 70, 26. And, but the, but the sentiment, you can feel that it's turned towards this. Like, I don't know if it's going to stay turned and is, is it cheap and, and the nothing in the portfolio is cheap but was it oversold we've talked about being oversold for a long time could this have a rally to 100 it absolutely could is it going back to 160 i don't think so not anytime soon but it could go to 100 and it looks healthy like you keep putting in these little you know double bottoms we just did it again joel you know you patented the double bottom trick in your technical analysis and it works don't tell so, edwards and mcgee so, that it works so well I mean, again, what happens? Little double bottom there two days ago. What do we do? We rip off of that. So, you know, when I'm trading technicals, that's what I'm looking for is those little, little setups, you know, and and obviously trading is one thing. Investing is a whole different animal. It's tough to predict this market. the, The market's fairly easy to predict right now. It seems like day to day or hour to hour, not day to day, but in the next hour, you can kind of feel the turns. You can kind of see the momentum going. Oh, the 330 ramps coming, little stuff like that. And that's day trading. And that's why the day trading has been really good this year. 
The investing, a completely different animal. I mean, we're up, we're down, we're left, we're right, you know, like chopping around. It's tricky. So, you know, to say, you know, the crystal ball thing, Dave said, just bought a crystal ball in the chat. I mean, everybody thinks, everybody wants to call the market. The truth is, to be a successful trader, you don't have to call the market. You don't have to do that. All you have to do is just trade your system, trade your technical levels, look for different setups and stop yourself out when it's not working. Little setups, little setups, little double bottom, little double top. ARKK is the is the king of that. Two yesterday, or let's go back. Look, look at this ARKK. It's crazy. The little double tops. March 29th, March 30th, little double top at 72, and it sells off. Then we go the next two days, go down to 66, little double bottom at 66, and it rallies. Those are nice little setups, nice little technical setups to lean on when you what don't has she been doing? Has she been long. doing anything? Uh, Nothing. Her her activity is almost uh, zil. Is gone way down. She dry powder i i don't think that's not how it works yeah well it is to a certain extent there's creation redemption so i mean yeah yeah but yeah okay so as long as there are but she can she can uh, reallocate yeah she can do some different things yeah but she's doing she's choosing to do nothing yeah she likes her setup so and you know what i don't mind her setup right now either i see a little double bottom in arkk at 68 or 66 dollars and I think, well, a little pullback here today. Maybe do some nibbling. You stop yourself out under that. There's some. There's a. There's a case here, a bull case in Arc in the short term. In the long term, am I putting in my long term portfolio? No, because I don't like her investment style. I don't like buying growth at any cost. But in the short term, is there trading in ARKK? Fantastic trading. Yeah, Chris in the chat just said ARKK has been his best trading vehicle this year. I trade every day. Yeah, I trade it every single day, multiple times. It's fantastic to trade. It's liquid as hell. It moves like nicely. It behaves. It behaves because it's an ETF. So you see, you know, the major components going down. It's going to behave. It doesn't do its own animal-like tendencies. I love trading ARKK. I love the whole ARK group. I trade all those things. There's a couple of thinner ones like PRNT that I kind of avoid because they're just too thin. But ARKK, that's just awesome. In and out easily. Uh, wait, before we, we move on to uh, the topics today, did, did anyone, by chance, did you guys talk about the airlines yesterday? I, I was wondering if you were. Because, because we did, because of the okay. delays. I'm saying nobody reached out to see if I was going to be stuck in Vegas or not. I'm a little bit disappointed. <laughs> but what if I got trapped in Vegas? Oh, that would be such a bad thing, Spencer. Trapped in Vegas. With Actually, Mitch do. mentioned that the only pl- like people are hit going in and out of Vegas, so that's. Uh, but I didn't really think no, about that. Half of my group got trapped. Are you kidding me? The, the, there was there was twelve of us there. Six of us had our flights canceled. They had to drive to Los Angeles <gasps> to take a new flight. Really? Yes. <laughs> and huh. and 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 we all wanted to get out of there. Nobody wanted to stay an extra day in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, okay. I just wanted to get that off my chest. Nobody reached out. No. We did not. No. No. Uh, all right. Let, let, let's move on. Our apologies. From from airlines to uh, cruise lines. This yeah. is this is interesting. Uh, Carnival Cruise Lines out with a PR yesterday that is very light on details. But here's the headline: Carnival Cruise Line sees its highest booking week ever as it finds another way to celebrate its 50th birthday. So the the only detail in this press release is from the very first sentence, which says that last week uh, was its busiest booking week in the company's history, showing a double-digit increase from the previous record seven-day booking total. That's all it says. There's no 
I saw that headline and I thought, oh, maybe they're just saying it was um, a record week over week increase in terms of percent. But I don't know because there's really no details here. But that's not that's not even the point, I guess, because the market just reads headlines anyway. So it, I guess lots of people are booking or rebooking their cruises last week. I don't know. But the stock is moving off of it. Um, they want an excuse to buy these stocks. I mean, people want an excuse to buy beaten down names. It is beaten down. It has rallied back in the last few weeks. But we know these algos only read the headlines anyways. It's a headline-driven market. Nobody reads the details. The human beings, maybe there's an analyst what, sitting what there. Details? <laughs> nobody's reading details. Even if you have details, nobody's reading the details. It's the biggest booking cruise ever or whatever. And they're, boba, yeah, let's buy it. And that's what the algos do. So it's not surprising off that headline that Carnival Cruise Line would be ripping here today. Um, all the other ones are ripping as well. RCL, NCLH, CCL. They're all great to pair trade together. Um, I pair trade these things all the time. CUK is your European version of CCL if you really want to get a little more exotic there with your trading. But CCL and CUK obviously move together with currency effects. Um, big pop. Yeah. Uh, now, CCL was the one that came out with the news, right? Yep. Okay. So they're trading up the most. Twenty. They're trading at 2068. That's up 4.81%. RCL. Getting a nice move up more on a dollar basis, up 2.48, but 2.97%. And NCLH, that's trading in the green too, right in the middle. That's trading at uh, 2276. That's up 0.79, or it's up 79 cents, 3.6%. Uh, and then, so in the chat, I, I always forget that Disney does have cruise exposure for whatever reason. And that, Disney's not really moving off this at all, but it's, I mean, it's more diversified, but I always, thanks for the reminder. Whoever Disney said. hasn't been participating in this rally whatsoever. It tried a little bit yesterday afternoon. So it's interesting, you know, yeah. and obviously this is a reopening trade. This is, a, a, I don't know if you could call it, it's tough. Like I always kind of threw it in the value camp to a certain extent, but probably just because obviously the park's been closed and everything doesn't look like as much of a value story anymore, but it still is. Eventually they're going to reinstate that dividend there too. I have a little bit of Disney in the long-term portfolio. I bought it too high. Kind of want to buy a little bit more, but I don't know. I'm just kind of comf comfy at 40% cash right now. Just feeling, you know, I don't have the FOMO going I don't have, I can sleep well at night with 40% cash. If I was like all invested, I'd be like worried about the next Ukraine headline. So Disney is on my radar, but I just don't feel like buying stocks yeah. right now, like long term. Stonks. All right. Stonks. Uh, so cruise lines are moving off that. I want to also talk about coal here. Coal stocks like BTU, for example, are moving off of a report from the Wall Street Journal that the European Union is going to propose a ban on Russian coal imports. So BTU wow. and ARCH are your big two movers, I think, thus far uh, this morning. Didn't Kenny come on our show like a month ago and give us BTU at like sixteen bucks? Uh, Mitch has been, Mitch has been talking about BTU. Mitch has been for too. A while. Yeah, Mitch and Kenny. This one just keeps going. Um, it's getting a lift here again. I mean, trend is your friend. Got to get through the twenty-seven seventy all-time highs. I never. I don't like the candle yesterday that it got up there and then reversed and they pulled the rug off from under it. Now you get a lift here again. So that's the bogey. I wouldn't be buying a 2659 because I'm worried that the 2770 doesn't get taken out. So, but trend is your friend. The dip buyers yesterday rewarded immediately here. Buy stocks and uptrends, sell stocks and downtrends still seems to work. 
Uh, good, good, uh, excellent recap on BTU there, and uh, and then what was the other one that you mentioned? A R C H Arch, Arch Cole. So how's that doing? Uh, that's not trading up as much on a percentage basis. It's only up six fifty nine, almost five percent. Three thousand shares have traded, so uh, up on pretty light volume. Yeah, but as, as we as Dan just said, it, Cole's been hot. Here, so. Oh, it's that yeah. great yeah. trend. Yeah, Cole's hot. Is that, yeah, I, like that. I mean, that's. <laughs> I mean, it, it's all the uh, the energy and raw materials trade all year, right? Energy, oil, yeah. and coal, and natty gas, and all that stuff. That's, all that stuff has been that. overbought for so long, though. It looks tired. So that's one thing to consider: is that if we are going, and you know, here's here's the argument: if you think the arc is going back to a hundred. You're going to see these commodities get smacked. There's no, they're they're inversely correlated. Arc and the commodities, and you're seeing U.S. Steel still sitting up here near all-time highs. You're seeing Newcore, which I own, still up near all-time highs. You're seeing Cleveland Cliffs right up here near 52-week highs. So if you're really bullish, Arc, you could just short commodities. I mean, there's an inverse correlation there. Yeah, that's true. And Mitch just dropped us a few other tickers uh, here uh, for coal. We mentioned uh, ARCH, but CEIX is another. I'm just going to drop tickers for you. I'll put them in the chat. CEIX is another one. METC, Mary Echo, Tango Charlie, ARLP. Just a few. I just put all these in the YouTube chat. Uh, HTC as well. Uh, just a few other call names. Just have on your radar. Um, another headline I saw this morning out of GM. There seems to be a lot of like EV news today and yesterday. Um, we had, I know we had some deliveries, uh, maybe on Friday slash over the weekend. Uh, but this morning, GM with a headline, they are partnering with Honda to co-develop, uh, some EVs that will be in production, they say in 2027. So, uh, five years from now. So that's exciting. This market is so ridiculous because that headline broke. Like, when did that headline come out, Spencer? Uh, I just want to tell you how seven forty five, seven forty three. Uh, I think it was even earlier than that. Yeah, maybe it's seven forty. It, 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 it broke a long time ago. I had it in front of me, and I can go try to see. It was this press release from GM. Came out at seven thirty two, seven thirty two. I don't like and. It was kind of no. It was even maybe before that. It was a lo- it was a while ago anyway. So it, it was a nothing burger. It wasn't really moving at all. And then um, CNBC breaking news at like seven fifty five or seven fifty, which is you know their breaking news is always twenty minutes after everybody else. And they just start ripping the algo seat off CNBC breaking news partnership. GM and Honda are going to make EVs, and they ripped General Motors all the way up two percent over forty four dollars. And I'm like. This headline broke 20 minutes ago. The stock didn't even move on it. Now, because G- CNBC, you can just see the media influence, you know, because they promoted this headline and just rips higher. And I mean, are we learning anything new here? Is there anything new information here, Spencer? Really? That GM, I mean, do, do we think GM and Honda aren't going to make EVs? Yeah. No, that that, that, that's, that's what I thought. I, I, I think the uh, I think the specific news is like they're working on, on co-developing uh, Basically, collaborating on, on the battery. That's the idea, right? They're going to. All right. So, the collaboration together. is a new thing. Uh, yeah. The collaboration is new, specifically on the battery front. 
But yeah, it's not like we didn't know that GM and Honda and all everybody, Toyota, Volkswagen, they're all making EVs, right? They're all going EV. Yeah. In 10 years, EVs yeah. everywhere. Just yeah. EVs. Yeah. Like that's why I haven't been long-term bull rah rah oil. Wrong this year, but for that reason, as I do believe Kathy Wood is correct in that assessment, is that we're going electric. And there's going to be less demand for oil in the future, five to ten years from now. But five to ten years from now is five, not five to ten days from now. So, I mean, obviously. Or five to ten seconds if you're lifting the offers in GM, in Toyota, or Honda. Or, or 20 minutes after the headline, which doesn't even move the stock. And then all of a sudden, CNBC. You're just mad it. you didn't buy it. On I know, kind of. CM- I guess you just CNBC buy it, wait for the CNBC pop, and then you Dennis, I told you yesterday. <laughs> EVs, EVs, baby. EVs. Look at the components. LIDAR, batteries. Look at the components yeah, behind ba- EV. Batteries may end up being like the differentiator here. There was an, actually another headline this morning, this one out of NEO, that they are in talks to license their battery technology um, to, Europe, to other automakers. It, it, I guess there's a potential here for the company that actually makes the best battery being the winner right the one that can make the most efficient battery that can contribute that, that that can you know b- uh, acquire raw materials at, at a reasonable cost uh and make the most efficient battery that they can then license to other automakers maybe there's the potential for that to be the key differentiator uh because we're obviously we're we're in this race now there's a race to make evs but there's also a race to develop the best battery and yeah. so the headline for Neo this morning suggests that they are at least further along than many of their peers. Um, and that's, again, that's what GM and Honda are really working on. It's the battery. So, um, yeah, maybe maybe the battery is where it's at here. But Neo is also up on that headline because the implication is the, 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 the producer of the best battery wins. Triple it's D, you getting, you getting hit on any bids though. out there? Are you getting hit on any bids? No, they come, they coming after you a little bit here? Was there news? Was it something? There wasn't there? news, but it was we just just a five point woosher. That that's nothing. I just oil you know, popped a bit. I think it's was it oil? Okay, yeah, I just saw it. I just, just don't understand get these it. relationships and the day trading becomes so much easier. I mean, yep. oil just popped and then the S and P starts on. Okay, I all mean, right. The I inverse correlation it. between USO and SPY. Not not even SPY. I guess it's not there the last couple, the last week or two, but there's definitely a correlation there that the okay. market wants lower oil prices. I just don't want you to get picked off there. Thank you. But but of- but back to the timing of all this stuff. I yeah. mean, we can say oh lidar, and we can say the batteries and stuff. Well, people were saying that, Mitch. People were saying that two years ago. They got their ass kicked. So why is now the time? And bring Mitch back on. Hey, wait, hold on, hold on, Mitch is hold on, hold on, hold on. I just saw this. Uh, just came just just came through Twitter. Is appointing Elon to its board. Oh, that's a surprise. Yeah. yeah. Twitter wow, what a shock. Hold on. Oh, I, don't, we, we, I don't know. I hope that's covered is short. We got the breaking news here. <laughs> that that was it. Sorry, I was delayed on that. Who, oh, uh, did you? Are you talking about Dougie Cass? Yeah, because he came on yesterday saying he's shorting at 49.50. And we said when it's down to 47, we're like, congratulations. But I was spooked. I was hoping to get down to 45 because I kind of wanted to go along it. Here we go, continue. That was you did not fade Elon Musk on day one. Well, here's the thing on uh, on the uh, on the Dougie. Uh, he put a short rental. 
he, yeah, that's what Doug yeah. does. We like so, Doug, so we're not yeah, going to Yeah, so I mean, like a short rental. On that, show. that means if it get two points on it, I'm covering it. Oh, he's, a, he's a day trader, too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, he is. Like, Doug cast trades. So, And you know what? And we gave him props yesterday. He said 49 and a half. They went down. I'm sure he covered it. I hope he covered it. See, he's, yeah. he trades that stuff, and he doesn't stay on the short side that long. This he's is so interesting. This is this is deja vu all over again here because I wish I would have kept it on my charts. When uh when was this? Right in this area. When did um whatchamacallit uh Jack leave? Do you remember uh, that? It was, it was late November. It was the very end of November. He's okay. gonna run this company. Okay. <laughs> this this, this is when Jack I'm talking. Jet, we were trading at 50 in the you know 4950 and they announced Jack was leaving and they took it up to 55 I remember it I, I remember it as this and then they absolutely crushed it that day and ended up going down and never recovered and now you're coming back to the point of no return here uh, or or return we did do it so that 55 that that's uh that's actually where I sold um, a, a portion of my position was that area, and boy, I'm te- I'm tempted to get at the risk now, but I, whatever. I I, I would not want I'll to be st- short this stock. Now we say, uh, yeah, why why would you be short? Here. He's going to start talking. He tweeted about it last night. Do you want an edit yes. button on Twitter? It's like he's almost running the company now. What do you guys want? Yeah. I mean, now he's on the board. You, you think they're not going to list Elon Musk? They're going to list every single thing he says and every single suggestion. Even the that CEO. He makes. Even There's going to be no board member more influential. More influential they're going to kick everyone Elon else Musk. off the board. No, they're not. I won't do that. But he's got. He's going to have say in this company, and people love that he's going to have say in this company. I love that he's going to have say in this company. I wanted to buy it yesterday on the. I wanted to pull back to forty-five to buy it. It didn't pull back enough, and now it's gone again. But I think yeah, the stock could see $60, man. I, I would not want to be short the stock. What about DWAC it, on this, man? Th- this DWAC. Is wow. Another leg down here. DWAC. What, what stock? DWAC. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah well, that, that, still, that still hasn't even closed. You, but you know how stupid this market is? Somebody was pointing it out last night. I'm not sure who it was on Twitter. So sorry, I can't give you credit. But I saw it go by my Twitter timeline. At Peak valuation, DWAC was worth more than Twitter. Did you know that? Really? No, yeah, I didn't. That's not. how stupid that this market can get at times. That's how stupid this market can get. It was worth more than Twitter at peak valuation. When it got up to $175 a share, DWAC yeah. had a higher market cap than Twitter. Wow. That's the the thing that it's trying to come in and replace was all of a sudden worth more without even being anything. That's how crazy things get, that, man, with FOMO. So, and you know what? When it gets crazy like that, Sal, Sal, Sal. You know what's interesting about this is uh, as part of the disagreement of Elon joining Twitter's board, uh, Elon is not allowed to own more than 14. This is in this, the 8K from this morning. Elon is not allowed to own more than 14.9% of, of the company while he's on the board. Um, they don't so, want to buy so, more? They don't <laughs> want to buy more. They, 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 They're like, this guy could buy the whole company. We know he could buy the whole company. If yeah. he wants to, he just buy the whole company on. on his personal account. Yep, yep, yep. 
Yeah. And Dennis, we also and we kind of poo pooed it yesterday, and we should have stuck with the theme. Did the other the other stocks moved off this? You see, with the move, Facebook had one of its best days in a long time. Also, yeah. uh, pins moved off it. We didn't poo poo it though. We just were surprised that you know that they weren't moving in the pre market. They so. weren't. Yeah, but Snap. again, this is still company specific, so I wouldn't say all of a sudden, you know, this is good news for all of them. That you know, is Elon coming and buying Pinterest now? Is Elon coming and buying Snapchat now? Is Elon coming and taking a position on Facebook? No. So there, there's sympathy trades, there's relationship-based trades that will pull those stocks up. But don't think because Twitter just rallied 50%, the pins is the next one to go up 50%. I don't think that's the case. Very company specific here. I think this is very, very good news for Twitter. There's some headlines that are nothing burgers, and then there's headlines that are the biggest something burger you can chew on. And this is the biggest something burger you can chew on. It's a triple on. something burger. It's the triple something burger. It's the Big Mac with extra patty, the double Big Mac Oof. with all extra sauce. It's is got there such everything. a thing? That's why it's hard to just, you know, day one say, okay, 20% is too much for this, 29 Is it really, though? When Elon Musk is going to start calling the shots in your company? I think that's a good thing. I'd like Elon Musk to call the shots on a lot of things, man. The guy is smart. Whether you you know think Tesla's overvalued or not, there's one thing you cannot know. argue with. This guy figures stuff out. I don't know. He's he's a visionary when it comes to electric vehicles, space, so, social, and space, and space. Social and, well, media, social media is a different. It seems like well, social media is, is one a different thing. business entirely. So <laughs> I'll just say he comes up with he's an idea generator, and if he's sitting there on the board of Twitter, there'll be some ideas cooking there. I, Makes me want to own the stock. You know what? I said this uh, either at the end of last year or, or, or early this year. My hot take, my hottest take for 2022 was that by the end of this year, Elon Musk will no longer be the CEO of Tesla. And this is another uh, uh, bow in my quiver for that argument. Could you imagine? He clearly wants to, to do other Elon things. Musk steps down. He clearly wants to do other things. This is another. What would quote. happen to Tesla stock if Whoa. Elon Musk if Elon Musk stepped down? Uh, How much does it fall? He won't. <laughs> but again, we talked about that with Steve Jobs and Apple at one time, and it continued to go higher. But Musk is a whole another animal here. Yeah. All right. Let's let, let's bring on our guest today. Maybe he has opinions on all this. Who knows? John Lynch is the chief investment officer at Comerica Wealth Management, joining us here for the first time on pre-market prep. Let's get him on the show right now. John Lynch, good morning. Thanks for joining us today. Good morning, gentlemen. Good to you all. Uh, do you have uh, any opinions on what we were just talking about? Yeah, fascinating. Uh, you know, can't speak specific stocks, but I will tell you, I mean, it's been blown away by uh, Elon Musk and his his influence on, on uh, technology, manufacturing, uh, visionary. Uh, it's really it's a it's a treat to watch. I mean, it's got, and obviously, we don't have to talk about specific, but I mean, having Elon Musk on your board sounds like a pretty good thing to me, really. I mean, the guy's an idea generator. Absolutely. And and the point, uh, I believe it was Dennis uh, who made regarding they'd have to fire the rest of the board. He, I think he, he starts up right away as the, as the primary voice, but not, nonetheless, they have a talented board. And, uh, you know, I do think, you know, broad, broadly speaking about, you know, a lot of the stuff that, you know, Elon Musk has done, not specific to Twitter, but I do think it's important for investors to recognize, certainly on the, on the, e, on the electronic vehicle, on the battery stuff, you know, we've got copper 
you know, electronic vehicles require four times the amount of copper than a combustion engine. So for all the cleanliness, if you will, that people are counting on regarding the EV space, I think it's really important to appreciate the, you know, the, the climate damage, if you will, that uh, all that excess mining will do. So it's kind of a it's kind of a push pull that I don't think investors truly appreciate. All right, we're on with John Lynch, and he's a CIO of Comerica. And just to let you guys know how sharp this guy is, he worked for several years with Ryan Dietrich, and they came up uh, over at LPL Financial. But uh, let's uh, let's you know we don't we don't we focus on a lot of the short term things that are going on in the market. But uh, that's not your job. Your job is to focus on the the long term here, and we're going to get to a couple tough questions for you. Uh, but your weekly market update was. The curves within the curve here, uh, inflation versus recession, big debate. Uh, just give us up, you know, your your long term view on on interest rates and where the Fed is. Are they going too slow? Are they going too fast? Pushing us into recession. Where do you stand? Thank you, Joel. And again, shout out to Ryan Dietrich, a dear friend who's an incredible analyst and. Uh, we used to refer to him as the stat king because he was so talented getting into the nitty gritty. And yes, I flew a little higher than uh, Ryan on the analysis looking more big picture, but it was a great partnership and he's still a great friend. Uh, yeah, regarding the, the report we wrote this week, the curves within the curve, obviously there's been a lot of coverage on the inversion between the twos and tens. And uh, in the report we wrote yesterday, we thought that was kind of a, a false signal, a false flag, if you will, to use current parlance because I do believe that the 10 year has uh, the 10-year has received a safe haven bid really through the holiday holding period uh, as a result of Omicron and now as a result of uh, you know, the war in Ukraine. So I'm not convinced the twos tens, the economic curve as I like to call it, is really reflective of what's happening. We think the, the 90 days and twos spread is more reflective of full employment, 7% inflation and the global cyclical recovery. So. The work we did showed that the time between inversion and recession, we identified six inversions since 1975. And, uh, you know, we found that it, a little more than a year before uh, the economy slipped into recession. And then we saw over that time period, the S&P 500 was up north of 8%. So uh, that analysis shows there's still time uh, to participate uh, for investors. And what's the best way to participate here? Uh, you know, we've had uh, the decline. I mean, the other thing too is like we're just we're so close to all time highs here. I mean, for mm -hmm. me, being a long term investor, I, I, the way I look at things is yeah, what forty eight hundred? Where you know got you know forty six hundred last week. I mean, where is it? I mean, are we finally going to see this? major move out of, uh, well, you know, value has been holding up for a long time into growth, or is that too early to make that call? Yeah, I think the best way to participate is to stick with the cyclical value trade. Uh, you're going to get periodically, uh, like yesterday, you're going to get periodically reflexive trades, I like to call it, for growth and passive. But I do believe with 7% inflation, this is a, a major major regime shift. And I think investors need to appreciate what inflation actually means. And uh, we're positioning portfolios uh, to lean slightly toward value. I think you're going to see first quarter earnings come in about 5%. But I don't think anyone cares about the 5% print. I think everybody cares about what companies say about margins going forward. 
And we believe the value space, cyclical sectors like financials, industrials, materials, and continued strength in energy, we think those will continue to outperform this year. Going back to that analysis from yesterday's report, you typically see the value and cyclical sectors perform well for the 12 months following the first inversion. Once you start to get into recession, then and only then do you start to see uh, you know, the utilities, uh, consumer staples, and healthcare generate more sustainable returns. We've had six or seven trading days of utility and staples outperformance, but I don't think that's a trend just yet. I think you're still going to see those companies that can uh, have near-term earnings. You don't have that long duration that you see in growth. You have companies that can pay yield. You have companies that can buy back shares that can augment historically average or slightly better than historically average EPS growth. John, when you say you are positioning portfolios tilted slightly towards value, you know, you're as an asset allocator, how exactly do you go, go about doing that? And where does that, wh- where is that money coming from or out of? Sure. We positioned uh, really last September, October. And, uh, you know, we had been in growth. We let growth run for a while, perhaps too long at some points. Um, uh, but nonetheless, you know, a rising rate environment, you know, we've, it's, it, and I think this is important for all your investors to appreciate. Since QE, it's really been a very unique situation with, with low rates, uh, fueling valuations, particularly on the growth and on the path of passive style. Uh, in a higher inflationary environment where the Federal Reserve is raising interest rates, you are discounting future profit growth at a higher multiple, thereby decreasing the present and future value of, of those future that future earning stream. So consequently, we took the money from growth. Okay. Uh, we took some money from large, actually, and we're looking at more profitable small caps. When you have such low interest rates, you know, the Russell 2000, for example, dramatically outperforming the S&P 600 for the better part of the past decade. Now you're starting to see companies in the S&P 600, you know, IJR versus IWM, if you will, that maybe 10 or 15% of the S&P 600 doesn't have profits, uh, closer 40% of the Russell 2000 doesn't have profits. And consequently, we really believe that in a rising rate, high inflationary environment, you're going to see a situation where investors are going to reward those companies who can deliver earnings, income, and share buybacks. Now, everything depends on, you know, where you're at in your investment horizon, you know, and I'll I'll talk to you about age differentiation here in a minute, but uh, a question out of the chat for long-term investing, uh, dollar cost averaging, you know, or uh, just being an index guy. I mean, that's certainly paved the way uh, pretty well. I mean, it's underperformed in certain years, but uh, and. Obviously, you have a lot, lot bigger investors, but uh, what approach do you favor? Well, no, we have we have individual investors as well, and you know we encourage investors not to buy near the high. Certainly, uh, engage in a gradual, if you want to call it dollar cost averaging, or just a uh, you know gradual entry process. You know, if you want to do it a six month or a twelve month period, make sure you have a you know a committed timeline for putting new cash to work. Um, I do believe that to your comment about indexing, Joel, in a low rate environment, I think that favored uh, indexing and passive styles. But in a rising rate environment, I do believe you're going to start to see uh, not all, but some active strategies outperform passive. It's going to be, 
uh, a major trend shift for the past decade or 12 years, quite frankly, 13 years uh, that investors need to become accustomed to. And, and, and John, uh, again, just in terms of uh, how you go about allocating, it, it, it's in like broad funds. Yes. Yeah. We use a, an advice driven model. So we use third party uh, asset managers. We, we screen, you know, from a universe of a few thousand managers. And then from that screening process, we narrow it down it. Uh, relative to a variety of factors and then, you know, earnings growth, performance, uh, style adherence, you know, there are a variety of factors from which we select. Got it. And then I, we should just for a moment discuss you know the, the the yield curve, and there's going to be some Fed speak today. We have a meeting in a couple of weeks now. I guess no, a month or so now. Uh, what what is your take on on the yield curve right now, and even the curves within the curve? Yeah, definitely. I think the policy curve is telling the better story. The two year Treasury uh, has, I think, better reflected seven percent inflation, full employment, and the cyclical recovery. And when the Fed made their pivot uh, last fall. Uh, the two-year went from, what, 50 basis points to call it 240 or almost 250 this morning. So the two-year has really accurately reflected and, quite frankly, priced in what the Fed intends to do. Obviously, the 90-day hasn't moved, nor has the uh, Fed funds rate sufficiently to reflect that. But the two-year Treasury has, and I think the two-year Treasury has done a much better job selecting uh, or depicting what the Fed is going to do in this you know, high inflationary environment. The 10-year, again, uh, subject to more safe haven bidding. And uh, once we see the Fed, you know, the Fed was buying bonds up until three weeks ago. Yeah. So it's really a unique situation. I think you're going to see a gradual steepening of the curve. Uh, it's conceivable now we see a couple of 50 basis point hikes, but I think more important for the long end of the curve will be uh, not having a $9 trillion balance sheet you know, stepping on the long end of the curve. And I think consequently, you're going to see gradual uh, rate increases. So I think the economic curve, twos to tens, if you will, be more reflective um, of the current environment. And it may take six months before we get there as, as the Fed starts to uh, buy fewer bonds. But they're still going to buy. Yeah. No, and, and just to be clear, though, um, go if we go out a little bit longer term, let's say go out 12 months. Mm -hmm. you're, you're still bullish, correct? Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at a year end 5,000 fair value on the S and P 500. I'm projecting eight to 10% earnings growth. If we get 10% that 5,000 sticks um, after first quarter earnings, I'll get a better handle on what uh, margins look like. It's conceivable. I may have to take it down to 8%. You know, it'll be really so much is so much is dependent on, on the energy situation coming out of Europe and, uh, you know, no financial model is going to accurately depict that. So it really is going to come down to what the margin discussion is. But I still believe we still have, uh, you know, cyclical tailwinds in the global economy. Companies have enormous operating leverage. I've been really impressed with what's happened over these past couple of years, whether wage costs, whether uh, ability to absorb rising energy costs, and certainly all the uh, uh, interest expense that businesses have been able to refinance that's all been able to see margins hover in that 12 percent range yeah i the margin comment is interesting because we, we i guess with inflation across the board you don't know who uh theoretically the companies that are able to control their margin margins better are the ones that 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 should 
survive better in an inflationary environment, but we'll have to find out, uh, especially coming on the backs of what well, we had a re- another record quarter for, for buybacks. So uh, that's right. I'd be very curious to see. Uh, we'll find out starting next weekish. Two weeks. That's right. Uh, how, Exciting how this, time. How all this plays out. Uh, this is this has been great, John Lynch. I got one more for yeah, you. Yeah, go ahead, Joel. I, I want to sure. throw one more in for you there. Just because um, we get a, uh, you know, we we have a varying audience, varying ages, um, and you know, uh, way they invest in the market. Like, how do you just how do you talk to like someone that's young? Like right now, with what's gone on in the market, you know, over the, just the last few years, and decided, you know, I'm not sure if you have children or how old they are. Um, you know, the meme environment, uh, the value, the growth. I mean, what do you? And I'll just stick with that age. Maybe the next time we'll get you on, we'll we'll have you uh, well address the other age groups. But you know, yeah, what I, do you, I'm glad you brought that up. I have we have two children. They're in their they're young adults. They're in their twenties, and uh, when the whole meme thing came out, you know their significant others and the kids we were all talking about it and you know they 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 made some pretty good trades over a short while but i tried to encourage them not to be seduced by the fast buck i think uh you know i i i I preached the the gospel of time in the market as opposed to timing the market and uh, i used it really as an instructive period to talk about the power of compounding and uh, i talked to them about you know, investing in your 20s, you know, our good friend Ryan Dietrich has done a lot of work on, you know, what your what a total portfolio can be 30 years later, if you invested at 22, or if you invested at 32, and uh, investing right out of college and taking advantage of your company's 401k plans and uh, putting a little away each month, that power of compounding is so important. And uh, that's something we, we talk to, you know, our kids about my wife and I, but more important when we talk to our investors and we talk to some of our younger investors, some of your younger customers at the bank, try to make sure everyone gets uh, involved at least something each month. So you're able to enjoy that power of compounding, you know, earning earnings and income may not, uh, uh, you know, get a lot of sexy headlines, but it can help investors achieve their long-term goals. Could not agree more. Couldn't have said it better myself. John Lynch, CIO at Comerica. Uh, John, a pleasure to have you on. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a great day. All right. Thanks, John. All right. It's 8.50 here. We got 10 minutes left in the show. Let's do some ticker time. Drop your questions into the chat. We will take a look at whatever you want to talk about. Uh, also, whoever is uh, posting in the YouTube chat, uh, in a language I don't understand. If you have a question, put it in English so I can understand what your question is. I don't know what you're saying, though, because I can't read that language. Um, okay. Uh, first ticker that I see is AT&T. So let's go there for Martin. Martin has a fundamental question about the split. Uh, like the official everything, and he keeps asking about that. Oh, like what? Like what? What's the date of the spin? When the spinoff and stuff happens. Yeah, I don't. Well, know. he keeps I, asking about the merge, and I, I kind of, and I was looking, and I, I thought everything was complete. So no, 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 it's not. Was it's there not, official date? I don't. I don't know. The dividend's been adjusted, though. Uh, it's still five percent, and it goes X six. Yeah, it's yeah, but going it's not nine. People are all saying, oh, it's nine, it's nine. The real dividend is there now. At least it's showing on my system as 4.6. Right. Okay. So the dividend, um, going, I believe that's been adjusted now. 
Uh, it's going next dividend in a couple days, right? So it usually has a, little, a typical little bit run into. I don't know. The, I didn't have it on yeah, my list yet. Yeah, the X dividend. Good date. to know, though. Yeah, they typically, AT&T and Verizon do run up in the X dividend day. What day do they go X dividend? How, April, April 5th, I believe. Don't What's the day? No, so no, 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 no. Sorry. So that's the record date. Um, the X, I'm reading through a release here. Uh, da, 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 da. The payable date is the 14th. What is the X dividend date here? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I, can, I can research it. Re- the record date is is April fourteenth. The payable date is May third. So yeah, it's oh, the so X it's date wild. is what you want. So yeah, when you're yeah. doing dividend capture, yeah. the only date that matters is the X dividend date. That is the date you no longer receive it. So you got to buy it before the X dividend date and the X dividend date. Then they take a look, and whoever obviously owns it before the X dividend date gets paid. The X dividend date for AT and T is April the thirteenth. So okay. it's coming up in eight days. So does AT&T and Verizon show strength going into that next dividend? Yeah. Am I usually long ahead of those dates? Yeah, I am, just from a statistical arbitrage perspective. So I am not long AT&T yet, uh, but will I get long and ahead of the date? Probably. Did you see the pattern that uh, Verizon put in uh, a couple weeks ago? Obviously, we don't look at that stock. Did someone make a stand at 51 or what, Dennis? Have you seen that? That kind of reminds me of the old... Uh, Big time. Yeah, yeah, look it out. That's had well, an, it's and- dividend, you know, and what we say, too, like when you're buying some of these stocks is at a certain point in time, they're not cutting the dividend like they were in the AT&T case, I mean, there's people that say 5% is good enough. So that gives you, that dividend gives you a little bit, not that it's a, a hard floor, but there's value investors, dividend investors that will come in at a certain price. And they start getting over 5%, which I'm assuming when it's getting down to 51, it's starting to get over 5 They're like, well, that's pretty good. So you can see every time it's got down near 51, it's been on this line in the sand. You can draw that line. Like, that's crazy, Joel. I know. That's a crazy line because it also coincides with the lows in January. Yeah. So, like, oh, I, mean, I didn't even notice that. Yeah. Oh, there. Yeah. So there is just somebody back. And when you see stuff like that, that's like institutional buyers like people who are like big no, time just say we're gonna own all we time. can yeah we're just gonna keep buying them yeah you're selling we're buying and they're not letting it go down and that's what we see happen and obviously now it's starting to reverse off of that but that's a hard support level all right let's do some more stuff from the chat here i'm seeing a few people mentioning citigroup they actually had a headline themselves citigroup is uh at least temporarily getting out of the spac underwriting game they are, oh, wow. pa- they're, they are pausing they're sharp all over there. <laughs> they are pa- well, they, and it's notable because they're a very they're a prolific underwriter of SPACs. Uh, I saw that they had uh, raised more than thirty one billion dollars from a from uh, uh, from the, I, th- I think they were the second largest SPAC underwriter in twenty twenty. But there's there's they're pausing SPAC issuance just. Um, until they get more clarity from the SEC. But that has nothing to do with the stock today. I just wanted to throw that out there. How is Citigroup doing today? Oh, it's flat. Uh, I just look at the TLT first. So you're trading banks. Yeah. First thing you do is you look at the TLT. TLT is trading yeah. red. There's an inverse correlation. Again, it doesn't hold every single day, but it's it's there. And right now, relationships are a little screwed up because you got this value versus growth thing that's really taking everything. But the relationship is still fundamentally there. TLT goes lower. Banks go higher. So you're seeing relative strength here today in some of the banks for the simple reason is that the TLT is weak here this morning. 
new monthly low. I mean, you do have a, a pair of lows in the same area. That's you know always a start of something. Fifty one seventy seven, fifty one sixty six were the lows the last two sessions. You closed up a buck from there. You could probably find an intermediate level. You know, fifty two eighty was the close. You know, maybe. If, if you feel like you have to own it today, maybe throw a bit out a little bit lower. But the only thing I can give you is the pair of lows there. And, uh, a buck away from right now. Um, a few a few mentions of AMD. Um, look at this one since it... Uh, I'm long and it's been yeah. not good so far. I mean, it's just, yeah. this is why I'm, dude, it just ticks you off investing in this market right now. Because you're like, I bought it like 113. It ran to 125. And you're like, oh, it's participating. And then all of a sudden, boom, boom. Um, you know, one headline, one downgrade. It was one downgrade. Yeah, and it was a big 10, one. Ten percent yeah. off the price, which is just this market in a nutshell. It's like headline risk market, and now all of a sudden it's turned. And this was I stuck it in the long term portfolio. So I'm trying not to like look at it, but you know me, I can't stop looking at it. So 109 dollars and 80 cents AMD. Um, down like three points on the purchase now after being up 12 points, which just pisses you off. Uh, you got a little double bottom in place. 106, 107. I just wanted some more exposure. And, you know, I wanted a stock that is the valuation cheap. No, but it's not crazy anymore. I think it's, what, trading like 29, 30 times forward earnings? Yeah. It's not nuts. Yeah. Yeah, it's not crazy. And I just think chips going forward. So it's a stock I've wanted in my portfolio for a long time. We're 50 bucks off the all-time high. Try not to look at it. You know, hold your breath. I just don't get like a warm, fuzzy feeling from the monthly. No, no, none of these though. What what gives you a warm, fuzzy feeling, really? Besides (laughs) Apple and S and P, I mean, does Arc give you a warm, fuzzy feeling? Coal and oil. Yeah, Uh, no. These are keeps you warm. Uh, Exactly. I mean, I think you could stay firm. Just a hundred bucks. I mean, hundred bucks, hundred bucks, hundred bucks. Just stay there. Bank on that being like a major bottom, like like a like a decade bottom, and it's gonna bounce and go to one thirty, and then go back to old time highs. I don't know. Just like seems like it's just pressing, pressing, pressing. And if you have a big, you know, big sell off in the market, and they take out a hundred, it's going to eighty bucks. I mean, that's the way you look at it. I couldn't, I couldn't step out here. And say, you know, I'm buying it at 110, and you know, where's my risk going to be? Your risk is down to 100. Um, all right, IBM. Wait, what was the oh question? On IBM, IBM, IBM. Yeah, hold on, there was a specific question is any opinions on it? Oh, I, and yeah, any opinion trading in the 129 to 131 range? Just, this just does nothing. This is big nothing burger. 5% dividend. It's almost like Verizon. <laughs> I mean, the stock is just sitting there. You know, it's on 20. Think about the volatility that we have endured in the last six months. And it's been really quiet. I mean, it's like Verizon now. It's a cash cow. People are in it for the dividend. I don't know. There's the growth. They've just never been able to figure it out. You keep thinking, oh, they're going to figure it out eventually, but they never do. They just perennially disappoint. What is the all-time high in IBM? Like well, 200 you have to and adjust. change, like 15 years ago, 206, perhaps. What, when, yeah. when though, like eight, nine, ten years ago, 2013. Was it higher than that before that financial crisis? You uh, back up the truck a little bit further. No. I don't know. I'm just no, asking. no, I remember. No. That was it. Yep, that was you go back it. to 1999, it'll be a high, it'll be high up there, too. Uh, they cut me off at 20 years here. Why did they cut you off at 20 years? No, 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 no. The 99 high was 132. Okay. 
So we did 2012. So we've been a decade in IBM. If you bought yeah. it a decade ago, you're down 80 bucks. It's been an absolute disappointment. I guess he got paid a dividend, which is some consolation, but not much. Kind of hang. I mean, you can see where the support had formed on uh, last week, and then you can see where, or uh, two weeks ago, and then you can see where the resistance formed uh, last week, and now it's just smack dab in the middle there at one thirty. All right. Uh, I promise for tomorrow I'll get my camera working so y'all can see my new face tattoo. But uh, that's ah. all for our show today. Thanks to our guest uh, John Lynch. Thanks to all of you in our chat. Please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes only, not for investing or trading advice. Uh, and that is a wrap. Live trading starting up right now with Mitch Ryan's Unaid. Joel going over to premarketprep.com for Premarket Prep Plus. I'll catch you guys later. Everyone have a good rest of your day. Good luck at the Open and uh, make some money. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra-low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra-low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O dot C-O.